The church has long declared that Mary is the mother of God. This was the first of the four Marian dogmas, and it goes back to the year 431 at the Ecumenical Council of Ephesus. It raised the question whether Mary is rightly called Theotokos. That's a Greek word meaning bearer of God. A popular teacher at the time was named Nestorius. He did not want to give Mary the title Theotokos, preferring to call her Christakos, the bearer of Christ, because Nestorius separated the divinity and the humanity of Christ. The Council of Ephesus said that this destroyed Jesus as one undivided person. And so Nestorius' teaching was declared heretical, and Mary was formally given the title Theotokos, the God-bearer. Now, this title was not primarily meant to exalt Mary as much as to assert the unity of divinity and humanity in her son. When properly understood, all Marian dogmas are about Jesus. We use God-bearer language for the mother of Jesus to confess who Jesus really is, the beloved son of the Father, but also, as our second reading says, born of a woman, and thus god manifest in the flesh. Yet implicit in this title is truly a great honor for Mary. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Mary says in the Magnificat, all generations will call me blessed. And the way that we know this is because Luke in composing his gospel, obviously sat at the feet of Mary and inspired by the Holy Spirit, Luke recorded the things that Mary had reflected in her heart. And so today we have that as scripture. And so we have in Mary a very important figure of someone who is a source of authority for the earliest part of the Jesus story. Yes, Luke wrote it, but Mary gave it to him because she stored those memories in her heart. And we revere what we have today through her. After she was taken to heaven... And the church was facing great persecution. There was an emphasis on the memory of the holy people who had first formed the church. And so from the very beginning, Mary was uniquely remembered as the virgin in whom the Holy Spirit conceived our incarnate Lord. This was part of the apostolic tradition from the very beginning, 
And that is what guided the council of Ephesus. Now this declaration that Mary is the Theotokos, the mother of God, does not imply that Mary herself is divine. Again, what we have in Mary is the one that God chose to bring the humanity of our Lord into the world. Jesus took human flesh from his mother. So Mary, while being human, a creature created like us by God, is the one that was exalted and chosen alone to be the one in whom the Son of God would come into the world. When we come to faith in Jesus, we are adopted so that Jesus is our brother. You find that in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11. And Mary becomes our mother. We are all one in Christ in his mystical body. And this body of Christ, as Paul teaches, has different parts, different roles, different gifts. Not everyone does the same thing. Mary alone has a special role. She is mother. Because she is literally the mother of Jesus in his physical body. And as we are joined to Christ through the Holy Spirit as the mystical body of Christ, she becomes our mother too. Jesus made this explicit on the cross when he looked at the disciple that was there and said, Behold your mother. And in that implicitly gave the motherhood of Mary to all of the church. And so Mary is a primary connection to the communion of saints of which we are all part. As Catholic piety began to develop and grow, Mary's role as an intercessor became important as early as the second century. Now, This was a huge cause for concern in my former tradition. It was often asked critically, how can Mary not be given divine characteristics if she can hear everyone's prayers at one time? As I've been asked that question so many times that I can't count it at this point, a couple of years ago, a wonderful analogy came to me. I think I've given it before, but I believe it's worth repeating. How is it possible for all of us in the whole world to call on Mary to pray for us and for her to know that if she does not have divine omnipresence and omniscience? It came to me that the answer to that is Facebook. (laughs) You know, we can have a friend on Facebook who has thousands of other friends, and that friend can have all other friends tell him or her their fears and their woes. How does that happen? 
through the internet. And I do not mean this disrespectfully in any way, but the internet functions something like the Holy Spirit. The internet, you know, is everywhere. The internet can deliver messages at the speed of light. A Facebook friend does not have that power in him or herself, but it's available. And so with prayer, the vehicle is always God. We can only pray in and through the Holy Spirit, but because every Christian is a partaker of the Spirit, and because physical death does not cut the bond that Christians have in Christ and His Spirit, there is a communion of saints. And at the pinnacle of all the saints is Holy Mary, Mother of God. No other human being has greater intimacy with Jesus than Mary. And she is a powerful intercessor. And in the Spirit, we can ask for her to pray for us just as we ask for the prayers of our friends and probably, if you're like me, you have deceased family members in whom you have great confidence. I often say, Mom, Dad, pray for us. So among all the people of God, among all the saints, no one has greater fullness of grace than Mary. She is first in the church. She is first among all the saints. She alone gave flesh to the eternal word. And in so doing, she became the mother of God. It is in that grace. And from the very words of Jesus on the cross, behold your mother. That we can know she is our mother too. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us.